Hey, uh, in case you're stuck in later or you missed it, I said uh, we were launching, uh, continuing into part two of Who Needs Christmas. But before we, we continue into part two of Who Needs Christmas, uh, we really do need to celebrate um, something. For those of you who are new here, um, you probably haven't heard of this, but every single year at Beyond, we do this thing called Be Rich, uh, which is where for an entire month, uh, we just give away uh, everything, uh, everything that we receive in financially and we give it back out into the community. And uh, last week, we looked at the, uh, the goal that we had of 3,500, and we had over four last week. But this week, uh, the total at the moment is $5,434.80. So you can, you can make some noise about that, because that is, that is awesome. Um, so that's how much money we've raised. We think that's the total. We think that's the end, okay? We, we stopped taking money in the services. We said you can only donate online, but still people um, keep giving, which is great. So we just want to let you know, we think that's the total, but if that total increases over the next week, we'll let you know uh, that, we've, uh, that we've updated it and, uh, and we'll keep going on. But we are going to continue this series. Um, and last week we started this series by asking one simple question, and the question is just really this, uh, who needs Christmas? Who, who, who really needs it at this time of the year? And we said that for a lot of you, particularly if you're skeptical or particularly if you're not sure about church and stuff, that when you look at the Christmas story, one of the words that comes to mind might be this, unbelievable. You look at it and you kind of go, it's, it's, maybe it's inspirational, maybe it's magical, maybe it's mythical, but really, Chris, it's, it's unbelievable when we think about it. And one of the reasons that we look at this and we kind of come to this conclusion is because of this picture and this image because when you try to explain that to someone, all of a sudden it gets really, really difficult. And you look at the idea, because I mean, how many people do you know where it's kind of like, well, shepherds rocked up at the birth of our baby. How'd they know you're having a baby? Oh, an angel told them. Like wise men came and they spent about three years traversing um, through different countries to get here. How did they know? Oh, they were following a star. Joseph, like your wife got pregnant and you weren't engaged and you said you hadn't slept together. Like, how do you know that Mary just didn't sleep around? Oh, an angel told me. Right? And we look at this, right, and we kind of start, when we start to unpack it, we can kind of go, well, this is, this is kind of unbelievable, Chris. And last week, we looked at the big idea that really the Christmas story is believable because the backstory is actually so remarkable. We looked at the idea that the Christmas story actually doesn't begin 2,000 years ago with the birth of a child. It actually begins 4,000 years ago. Not with a couple who didn't know how they got pregnant, but with a couple who weren't sure if they were ever going to get pregnant. And it began with a promise, an inconceivable, impossible, unbelievable promise that God made to a guy called Abram, who we would later know as Abraham. And last week, where we kind of left uh, part one, is we, we sort of discovered that, hey, really, the world needed Christmas. But we also said that God needed Christmas as well. And that's why we're going to continue our conversation today. And if you're brand new to church, like hearing that, like, wait, wait, Chris, what do you mean God needed Christmas as well? Like that sounds, that sounds a little bit odd, right? And I want to kind of help us get our heads around this idea of why God needed Christmas. And, and if you're a parent, you, you'll get this, right? You'll, you'll understand this. Because if you're a parent, you, uh, you have moments in your life where you try to help your children understand that the reason that you do things, the way in which you do things, is not actually because you lay awake at night trying to figure out ways that you can make life hell for them. 
Okay, you, you want your children to believe that despite what they might think, you know, your life is not consumed by thinking about how can I make them ha- suck the fun out of everything? How can I make life super difficult for them? How can I make it so that they don't really like understand or like the decisions that I'm making? Like for you as a parent, you would wish nothing more than for your child to be able to feel what you feel, experience what you've experienced, see what you see and say, hey, the reason, the reason that I'm actually making these decisions the reason that I'm encouraging you to do this or discouraging you from doing that is because I actually see life in a bigger context. That I actually see what's going on and, and despite what you might think about this one little decision over here, I actually want the best for you on a macro, macro scale. And you know that it's difficult for your kids to understand this, right? Because you've tried explaining it to them. And then you start explaining it to them and they just get this glazed look on their face. And you know as soon as you start doing it that in the back of their mind they're thinking to them like, what do I have to say to get out of this? What do I have to say to move on, to get back to what I'm doing? Mm, yes, mom, yes, dad, okay, right, on to the next one. You know how difficult it is when you're eyeball to eyeball with someone that you care about so much, how difficult it is for you to get them to understand and believe just how much you care about them. So what do you do if you're God? What do you do if you're the invisible creator of the world? What do you do if people kind of have a hard time saying, and they say things like, well, God, I'm not even sure if you're real because I can't see you, I can't touch you. I don't really know if, like, if everything that you've done is really what you said you've done. How do I believe this? Like, what do you do if you're God in this situation and you want the whole world to know just how you feel about them, just how much you care about them? Well, God is Christmas. God used Christmas to communicate to the world His love for us. And if you're unsure about this whole like Christianity thing and Jesus thing and faith thing and you're really unsure about the whole Christmas story, like, um, then you would love this guy called Paul, right? Because Paul is this guy who was a Christian killer. That's how he started off his life. That's how he started off his career. Um, He just didn't dislike Christians. Okay, he actually had the power to put Christians in jail and then kill them. Right now, if you're kind of skeptical about faith or you kind of resist it like imagine what what you would have done if you had Paul's power like think about that imagine having the power to put some Christians in jail you could probably think of some people that you would put in jail but anyway so Paul had this power Paul had this ability to put Christians in jail and he was this one man wrecking ball destroying the church but the crazy thing is is that when we look back on history we actually don't hear about Paul the Christian killer going down in history What we hear about is Paul, one of the greatest leaders in Christianity. One of the greatest leaders, some could argue, the world has ever seen in in, in any movement, but but particularly in Christianity. And the reason and what changed Paul's thinking is that Paul had a moment. Paul had an experience where for him, he began to understand what Christmas was. And for him, he began to join the dots. And what he began to understand is, hang on a minute, these, these Jewish scriptures, or what we would call the Old Testament, are actually a backstory that point to why the world needed Christmas. And that point to why God needed Christmas. And they point to an event 2,000 years ago, and it all started to make sense to Paul. And so Paul, in, in, in one of his writings, because Paul wrote a lot of letters to a lot of different churches um, in, around the Mediterranean Rim, and he writes this one particular letter to this province of Rome, which is in modern-day Italy, and he explains to them, he goes, hey, this is, this is how it all began to make sense to me. 
This is how it all, all the dots began to, um, began to fit together. And this is what he writes about it. He says, but when the right time came, in other words, when God looked at the world and God thought, you know what? Everything is in place that I can get their undivided attention. When the right time came, God did something. He sent his son. And some of you, right, this is a big question that you have around Christianity. You're like, why though? Like, why did he send his son? Why did he have to send his son? Like, why, why would God cram himself into a body? Why, how does that fit and how does that work together? The problem is it gets more complicated than that because of what Paul said next. He says, God sent his son born of a woman subject to the law. Now, all of a sudden, it's not God in a body. It's God in a baby body right? Like, why God in a baby body? And why subject to the law, right? Because if God's God, why doesn't he just come into history and say, hey, I'm here. I'm not subject to any law. I'm not under any law. I'm the law maker. I tell you how it's going to go and you listen to me. Like, why did God enter the world subject to a law when he really should have been a law to himself? And what Paul says next, what Paul says next tells us why God did this. Tells us why God went about Christmas the way he went about Christmas. It says God sent him to. There was something that Jesus came into the world to do. And Paul didn't say this next thing, I did. Paul would say that Jesus came to do something personal so that we could pave the way to something relational, Right? God wanted to know how much, uh, that wanted you to know how much he cared. But in order to do that, he had to do something personal so that it would pave the way to something relational. Paul actually said it like this. God sent him to buy freedom from us who were slaves of the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. But the problem is, right, you read that and I look at that and we see that and we're kind of like, yeah, but Paul, like, I don't really need freedom. Like, I'm free I'm not a slave to anyone. I'm not a slave to anything, right? I don't need anyone buying my freedom. And if you push back against it, like, right, I get it. But what Paul is kind of driving at here is that if you're really, really honest, particularly if you're curious about faith or you're skeptical about it, that, that there are some obstacles. There are some barriers that exist between you and God. Maybe it's that you, you're not sure if it's true. That's, a, that's an obstacle. Maybe it's because you had a bad church experience or you, then you walked away. Maybe it's because of the school you were raised in or the family you were raised in that now as a result, you've got some scars and you've got some pushbacks and you've got some issues around God. And, and Paul would say that that's an obstacle and that's a barrier. And that's why Jesus had to come. And for those of you who are Christians, you know, as you sit here and you kind of go, well, you know, I really struggle to pray sometimes. I really struggle to read my Bible sometimes. Chris, if I'm really honest, like I, I come to, I come to, to, to church and I, I love to consume, 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 but I don't really like to give back. I don't really like to be on mission. Paul would say, well, Jesus actually came for you as well, because that's a barrier for you, connecting with God. And Paul would say, he, God came to buy freedom. And the reason that he had to come the way he did is because it was personal. God had to come in person. The reason that Christmas is such a big deal is because for God, this was not some disconnected issue. This was a big deal. It was personal for him. And because it was personal for him, he had to come in person. 
Right? He could have sent a messenger, but it wouldn't have been enough. He could have done another miracle, but it wouldn't have been enough. Right? God could have done it any number of ways, and it just wouldn't have been enough. And the reason that you know it wouldn't have been enough is because for some of you, the reason that you resist is because you want to know that God is personal. The reason why general spirituality is so difficult for you is because what you want is not a general sense of purpose. You want a, a very personal, specific sense of purpose in your life. And so God did something. God actually staged a demonstration through Christmas in history at just the right time. And he did this demonstration at just the right time so that it would be documented and so that it would survive history. And here's, particularly if you're skeptical about Jesus, here's what I want you to grasp the gravity of. Grasp the gravity of. Here's what I want you to get. Because this is such a big deal that we often just skip it by. That 4,000 years ago, a promise was made to a guy called Abram. 2,000 years on, a boy was born. And 2,000 years later, we are still talking about it. And if you're skeptical about faith, here's where you should lean in. Here's where you should ask, why? Because in the last 2,000 years, a lot of history has occurred. And you can't name names for a lot of it. And you can't give uh, dates for a lot of it. And you can't give specifics for a whole lot of it. But when it comes to a Jewish baby born in the back blocks of a city whose people at the time couldn't even remember, you know an incredible, remarkable amount. Because God staged a demonstration at just the right time so that it would be documented. And it would not be lost to history, but it would survive history. And now, 2,000 years on, thousands of kilometers removed and thousands of years removed, we would still be talking about it. And Paul, in another document that he writes, he explains why God needed to stage this demonstration. As he's looking back on Christmas, he goes, you know what, this is why God needed to stage this demonstration. And he says this, he says, but God showed. In other words, God did something at this point in time. What he did was he showed his great love for us. He did something for us so that we would know where we stand with him. And here's how he did it. He did it by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Now, I know that you kind of like might look at that and you might be like, mm. and, right? But I don't want you to miss just how powerful these words that Paul wrote were. Because Paul does this weird thing here, right? And, and it's so quick that you might not pick up on it. But he actually says, while we were still, were still. That's present tense. That means like right now. And you might think to yourself, you're like, whoa, 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 Chris, whoa, 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 back up, back up. Jesus didn't die for me while I was still a sinner, right? Because I wasn't born. I, no one was thinking about me. Like this, gen, like, this country wasn't even settled yet, right, Chris? Okay, like, we, while we were still, okay, like, I wasn't sinning at that point in time. But for Paul, for Paul, and don't miss this, this was a reality. For Paul, he had a moment where all the dots, dots just joined together and Paul said, I was alive when this happened. And not only was he alive, 
But when the very first Christian was murdered for their faith, the people who murdered him walked up to Paul, dropped their coats in front of him and said, is it all right that we kill this guy? And Paul said, go for it. And then he continued. He didn't stop there. Paul continued to be a one-man wrecking ball. That if something didn't happen, the church would have been eradicated. And Paul said, while this was going on within me, while this was happening inside of me, Jesus still died for me. And this was a personal revelation for Paul. And he said, I don't want the rest of the world to miss this. I don't want the centuries coming and the millennia coming after me to miss this. That while we weren't for God, Jesus demonstrated he was for us before we had the opportunity to decide if we were for him. Because Paul said at that moment in history, at that point in time, I decided that I wasn't on board. I decided that I was resisting. But when the dots finally connected, I realized that Jesus actually made a demonstration that he was for me before I'd even really had the opportunity and before I'd fully embraced the fact that he was for me. And for some of you, right, this raises another question. This raises a very, a very, very difficult question. And for some of you who kind of like resist Christianity, maybe one of the reasons that you resist is because no one has ever adequately answered this question for you. And the question is simply this. So why in the world did Jesus have to die? Right? Why did he have to die? Right? Why couldn't he just kind of come in and sort of say, okay, everyone, um, he doesn't come as a baby, he comes as an adult and he goes, listen world, pay attention. Okay, right, I know there's been some issues, um, but I'm just going to say your sins are forgiven, we're all good, I'm going to go back up to heaven, I'm going to have a conversation with dad, we're going to sort it out right? And then when you, um, because I'm going to sort it out, you'll just go to heaven straight away when you die. Um, If you could just do me one little favor, one little favor, just tell the rest of the world that I was here, that I care about you, that I'm for you. Um, I'm going to leave right now, okay? Catch ya. Why couldn't he just do that? Why did he have to die? Why all the gore? Why all the blood? Why the crown of thorns? Why the nails through his hands? Why? Firstly, because no one would believe him if he just rocked up here and was like, okay, I'm God's son, we're kind of together, it's a whole confusing Trinity thing, right? You don't have to think about it too much, but like, I'm just going to say your sins are forgiven and we're all good. First of all, everyone around them would have been like, this guy is crazy. No one would have documented that. That wouldn't have even been a big deal. They'd be like, it's another crazy person trying to think that they're God. No one would have leaned into that. People would have turned their backs and walked away. And more than that, the real, the real reason why in the world Jesus had to die is because as followers of Jesus, we believe that God is actually the author of life. And if you believe in a God, if you believe in a bigger power in the world, then, then you believe that that God, if, it, if he is personal, is actually the author of life, which means he authored your life. And he authored the lives of the people around you. And really, if you didn't author your own life, when you think about it, you came into the world and it wasn't your decision. And for a lot of us, we will leave the world and it will not be our decision. And what happens in between, we get a lot of say over. But we didn't get the gift of life. We didn't give ourselves the gift of life. And so we say as Christians that God is actually the author of life. And for so many of us, what we do 
is we say, God, thanks for this gift. Now I'm going to run with it my own way. I'm going to do it my way. And a lot of us, the natural response when someone gives you the gift of life should be to say, you know what? Whatever you want, I'll do. You gave me this gift, which means you probably know the best way to use it, the best way to live it. And I'm going to do whatever it is that you want me to do, even though it might be confusing, even though I might not understand it fully. I'm going to trust that if you authored it, you know how I should live it. But for so many of us, what we do is we wake up and we shake our fists at God. And we say, you know what? How dare you? How dare you do it this way? I could have do it so much better. And then we do. And here's why Jesus had to die. Because when you disrespect life, who you dishonor is actually God. Who you dishonor when you disrespect life is God. And if you dishonor the gift of life, the logical consequence is that you should forfeit the gift. The logical consequence is that you shouldn't be allowed to have the gift anymore. And the reality of Jesus' death and why Jesus had to come is Jesus' death actually demonstrates the magnitude of our ingratitude. It's through Jesus' death that we actually get a glimpse of, you know what? As a world, you really turned your back on the most powerful gift that God has given us. But here's here's the good news. that It also demonstrates the magnitude of His love for us. And you know this, right? That when it comes to love, talk is cheap. That when it comes to love, you can say the words, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, all day long. But until it's demonstrated, until love is shown, it's ultimately not known. And so with great love comes a great sacrifice. And so Jesus has entered the world to demonstrate God's love for us. Why did he have to die? Because great love requires a great demonstration and requires a great sacrifice. So who needed Christmas? Well, the world did. But God also needed Christmas as well. God needed Christmas to stage a demonstration, to show the world that he is for you before or if you ever decide to be for him. And then when just the right time came, when God had the world the way he wanted it, a virgin who is said to be married or engaged to be married to a guy called Joseph says, I'm pregnant. And all these questions start to flood through his head. Do I marry her? Do I divorce her? Do I shame her? Do I tell her mother? What do I do? And at just the right time, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill God's message through the uh, the prophet, and this is what was said, look, The virgin will conceive a child and she will name a son and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God had to stage a demonstration. He had to be with us so that 
we could know that he was for us. But it wasn't just the world and it wasn't just God that needed Christmas. There's also someone else that needed Christmas. And we're going to look at that next week as we wrap up this series in part three. But before we do, and before I invite the band back up, I couldn't honestly, I couldn't give a message like this without an opportunity to respond. And that's, if you're kind of new to church, you're like, oh, that's weird, like, though I promise it's not. Like, I promise it's, whatever you've seen on TV, we don't do it that way here, I promise. But for some of you, maybe for the very first time today, your situation is a lot like Paul. And you're sitting here, and for the first time today, it kind of makes sense. You're like, oh, oh, now I get it. Now I understand why Christmas. Now I understand why Jesus had to die. Now it all fits together. And maybe you've heard this story over and over and over and over again. But this is for the first time, for whatever reason, that it's clicked. And maybe, maybe for you, you're kind of like, but what does that mean? What does that look like? How do I go about that? Well, Jesus' best mate, John, he just says it the best. I, you can't put it any better than what Jesus' best mate says. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And this word believes is probably better translated as trusts. Anyone who actually wants to trust the author of life with their life, anyone who wants to trust that the demonstration that God staged was actually for them, anyone who wants to trust that, you know what, God is for me, And now I want to begin to follow whatever that may look like. That's what this is about. And so in a moment, I'm going to to pray um, all together and we're all going to pray. But maybe for someone here this morning, you're kind of thinking to yourself, you know what? This is what I've been looking for. And for the first time, it's made sense. And I want to transfer my trust from myself to God. And I'm going to pray um, for us and... um, if you want to, you can pray. You don't have to pray it out loud or stick your hand up or do anything weird. You can just have a conversation in your head between you and God. But I'd encourage you, if that's you, I'd love you to pray that prayer just back to God as well. But I'd love to pray for us all right now. Jesus, I want to pray for us today um, and I want to pray particularly for those people uh, in this place who maybe for the first time this morning it all clicked. Maybe for the first time today, All the dots just lined up and they understood why you needed Christmas. They understood why Jesus needed to die. And if that's you here this morning, I just encourage you to pray in your heart or uh, in your mind this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your son and that he died for my sins. He died for the sins of the world, but he also died for my sins as well. And in this moment, I want to transfer my trust from myself to you. I'm placing my trust in you, in your death, and that you're in your resurrection, that it is full and final payment for my sins. In Jesus' name, amen.